Sir, if you don't mind my saying, I'm a little concerned. I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. Please and gentlemen! brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again, and as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, welcome back, buddy. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, It's good to be back. Yeah, it's a little weird today because we're actually using... uh, video software so i can see you this is a little strange we normally don't do it this way yeah yeah this is definitely different and you got your cool little lego batman background up there so i can see that yes yes so uh to i like the ambiance yeah, so nice. to, to bury the lead there uh yes today we are celebrating a little bit of an anniversary uh it's been five years since warner brothers animation released the lego batman movie so we're gonna we're going to talk about the Lego Batman movie for the first time on this show and just kind of give it a, a full review. So uh, without further ado, let's dive into that. The Lego Batman movie. So this was released in January of 2017, and it was directed, I believe, is it Chris McKay, Joe? Oh, that sounds right, but now you're putting me on the spot yes, right away. Yes, Chris McKay. Yeah, yes, because he was actually rumored, and I think he... Uh, talked about recently that he's still very interested in doing a Nightwing movie. Yeah, that was another one of those movies that, you know, we were kind of, you know, anticipating and it just never happened and it's still quote unquote in development or maybe happening kind of, who knows. But uh, yeah, he he was really excited about it too. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that is I remember when it was originally talked about years and years ago, there was speculation that maybe uh, Zac Efron could be Nightwing. And you remember that was ages ago. Oh yeah. And uh, I was actually I was watching Firestarter the other night, uh, a couple weeks ago, which is not a great movie. I don't recommend it, by the <laughs> way. But um, Zach Efron was really good, and I was like, man, what could have been? We could have had a great Nightwing and Zach Efron, but I think he's aged out at this point. Yeah. Um, it's been way too long since but all anyway, this has happened. 
Yes, for sure. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, 2017, the Lego Batman movie was released. It it was it's kind of a pseudo, not really sequel, but follow up to the Lego movie. Um, and we have, of course, the insane Will Arnett. Sorry, I spaced for a second. <laughs> Will Arnett starring as Batman. Uh, and it's just this has just got an all star voice cast. There's way too many to mention, but you've got. Uh, you've got Ray Fiennes, you've got Zoe Kravitz, uh, you've just, the list goes on and on and on. And we'll get into that in a few minutes, but yeah, so far as just general overall thoughts, Joe, I want to get your general opinion of the Lego Batman movie, because this is one that you and I haven't really talked about much. So I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. Cause th- this movie came out way before we even started talking, um, you know, even through social media or whatever. And so I got to say with this movie, I remember walking out of the theater and I really just had a lot of fun with it, but it wasn't one that I, it wasn't one that I was like dying to go back and watch again. And I think, I don't know if it's just the general nature of the film being one of those, it's fun, but it's not, you know, it's not anything that was really, I hate that, you know, it wasn't made for me type of mentality, but I kind of feel like it, yeah, we it's a fun Lego Batman movie. It really is a just a fun, just there's so much spectacle to it. The first time you see it because of all the fun, you know, little Easter eggs and all that. But I just wasn't, um, I guess I wasn't as in love with the entire film as I would have liked, but it's like a great collection of really great moments. And I think the pro the biggest, if you want to call it an issue I have with it is I think it peaks in the beginning. And I don't think it ever reaches that level for me personally again. But that's not to say that I don't enjoy the rest of the movie. That's just, it's kind of just where I land with it as a whole. That's interesting because this is this is one of those movies for me where it's just, I think it's, it's pure escapism. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I just, sometimes with Batman, you know, it... It's so much, and don't don't get me wrong, I love this, but it's so much dark and serious. And I do love when they take a sidebar and they give, you know, especially younger people, a bat a version of Batman that's a great diving in point. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is exactly what that is. Uh, much like um, Batman the Brave and the Bold is that same thing. This is this is a point where kids can get sucked in because of the bright colors and the animation and things like that, but they can also get an appreciation for the character of Batman. And I think, I think this is, this is pretty successful at that. Um, I really, really enjoy the voice cast. As I was saying earlier, um, I really don't have any hangups with the, uh, with what you were talking about with the peak. I, like I kind of get that, like the first few minutes is so action packed and so fun. Mm-hmm. That when you get to the middle, when you get into maybe maybe the chunkier part of the story, I get that it's kind of like a it, you get a real high peak in the beginning, and then it kind of you know goes into a valley <laughs> close until closer yeah. to the end. I, I get, and that. it's not even to take away um, from the rest of the film. It's more just like the first the first twenty minutes is such a you know ooh look at the bright colors and all this action and it like it's such a it's like a shock to your system and. Mm-hmm. Then it goes into this, like, it's almost like a downer where like you're, and it gets into the heart of the film, which I think that's one thing I have to credit the film is it does have a lot of really nice moments and a lot of good heart to it, 
which I don't think mm-hmm. they needed to do. But I mean, after what we got from the Lego movie, you would have expected that. Um, and it's just, yeah, it like that, that ebb and flow with the way the story is told and it gets back into the action and stuff. But I think at some point with something like this, and this is just me personally, it's like an hour and 45 minutes of this is like mm-hmm. maybe a little too much for me in one sitting to like keep my attention once I've seen it, where that's where I kind of prefer like Batman 66 is only half hour episodes. Raven the Bold is only half hour mm-hmm. episodes. I like my Batman humor, but to sit down and watch that escapism for an hour and 45 minutes, it's like background stuff. It's not something I'm going to sit and like focus on for an hour and 45 minutes. That's again, it's just me personally. Um, and that's not to take away because honestly, this is one that like I've put on for my kids and we'll watch it and just kind of hang out with it on in the background. And my daughter loves like that yeah. kind of, even the other Lego Batman movies, the ones that are straight to DVD, we'll put them on once in a while and the kids will, you know, kind of get into that. See those I, I've never seen, but uh, yeah, for, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about the quality of mm-hmm. those. I can't really speak to that, but I don't, one thing for me with this movie is the quality of animation I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but when I look and, and see that this movie had like a, Oh God, I think it was a $60 million budget. I mean, to do what they did with this movie mm-hmm. on that kind of budget is fascinating to me. Okay. It's 80 yeah. million, but still you talk about Disney animated films that have almost $200 million budgets. Yeah. And I think, the animation on this one for less than a hundred mm-hmm. is stunning. Absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. And like, just be, I think also like you never seeing the, the straight to DVD Lego movies that they've done. The quality mm-hmm. is obviously not even comparable. These are, this is so much better animation quality, but with those films, because I'm not like, as far as being like an animation nerd, I think those films are fine. And this wasn't, as special to me as probably it could have been if we didn't have those other movies. Okay, but but you can clearly tell the difference oh, in the animation, right? Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, no, no. That's okay. not even close. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was assuming. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I um, if I if I do have a major criticism of the movie, because uh, this is I think the only one I really have, I do think it's a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could maybe shave about 15 minutes off of the runtime in this movie. And it would be a, it, it, this thing would sing at about 90 minutes. I think that's a sweet spot for a film like this. And it's not to say that I Um, think you had even mentioned, I'm sorry. It's just not like, it's not that there are parts that I think should be eliminated. It's more just the attention span of a, a comedy Batman for me, I think is better served being a little shorter. Okay, so as far as our general overall thoughts, that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, but let's get more dive more into details of the movie itself. Uh, let's start off with the voice cast, uh, Joe. There's there's so many voices here, but is there anything that any voices that really stick out to you? Any you really enjoyed or or really thought were misplaced or anything like that? I can't say any of them are, are misplaced. I I definitely think. Uh... I don't remember if people criticized Zach Galifianakis for the Joker, but I like it. I think it works really well for this particular movie. I don't mm-hmm. think I would like his voice in a more serious film or even a, 
a live action humorous Joker, but right. I think it it works really well for the Lego Batman. I think just seeing the animation of Lego Joker fits with his voice. I, I really do enjoy him. Yeah, he's one that I'm not really insane about, honestly. Well, I think that's how most people feel. Yeah. I think it's grown on me, though. Like, I don't dislike it, but it's just, for me, it's like, it's just fine. Like, it's not like, if you ask me for standout Joker performances, Galifianakis is not going to be up there. You know, it's just, it's, it's unremarkable, I think. Which is interesting because I mean the the dynamic between Batman and Joker in this movie is is pretty remarkable. I mean it's an interesting journey they go on. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I don't know. He just Galifianakis is not awesome for me. But whatever. Um, I really like Michael Sarah as the as the very different Dick Grayson and Robin in this <laughs> yeah. movie. Well, first of all, I think Robin in this movie is is charming as heck. I mean, I just really. You know, it's very different from the usual Dick Grayson story, but it works here for what they're doing. And I, I don't know. I just, I really like. I think Michael Sarah did a great job bringing that, uh, that that charm into that character. Yeah, and it's interesting how they they make Robin the focal point of the story, as far as they are basically introducing Robin as a character in this movie, and to an extent, they're introducing Batgirl as well later on in the film. I think it's cool that we do get like, I don't think any of us really knew what to expect with the Michael Sarah Robin, but mm-hmm. I think it's, I keep, you know, being a little redundant with the word fun, but it's a fun, you know, it's a fun depiction of the voice of Robin. It's, it's a little goofy, but I think it works really well in this. I, I think the, the back and forth between his goofiness and Will Arnett's just great, um, <laughs> like playing it straight, but for obvious humorous effect is really just, it works really well with the two of them. Yeah. And speaking of Will Arnett, I mean, as our Batman here, what do you, what do you think of Will Arnett? Cause I, I don't know. Had, had you seen the Lego movie before you saw this one? Yes, I did. Uh, okay. And I, I love Will Arnett as Batman. I think it's perfect again for this version. I, I he brings so much to it that, like to bring that grovelly voice, but make it in a humorous way without sounding like he's being disingenuous to the character either. Like that's kind of mm. hard to do. Like he's, he's bringing that, you know, I'm Batman, I'm serious. I'm this and that, but in a humorous way without being disrespectful in any way to it either. Well, yeah, he's the perfect Batman that is very into himself. Yes. Like, I mean, he, this Batman absolutely. There's nobody that loves this Batman more than him. <laughs> yeah. So, and he does a great job. It's he fits this role as well as I think Diedrich Bader fits the kind of Batman that he does. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in Brave and the Bold or the slightly different tone he takes with the Harley Quinn series, it just it they work so well for what they're doing. Like, I don't necessarily know that if you take Will Arnett in and try to plug him into something like Batman the Animated Series, I don't I don't know if he can do that. But for the Batman that he's portraying here, man, he knocks it out of the park. And just while we're on the topic of, like, the two of them working together really well with Robin and Batman, I think the best part of this movie might be, is it Ralph Fiennes? 
Is that how you say his last yes, name? Yes, Ralph Fiennes. As Alfred, because, man, this is one of the... F- Alfred is always the, the one that brings that dry wit. And, man, in this one, it works so well with the already humorous takes on Batman and Robin. Adding that dry wit to it just kills me in this movie. You know what's so... And, and, and I agree with you, by the way. I love Ralph Fiennes as, as Alfred. Even, again, this is kind of a comedic take, but I can hear that Alfred voice and hear it fit many different versions of Alfred. I think like, that's I think, what's you're, you're absolutely right. I think that's what's so cool about Alfred is you could really do Alfred the same way in every genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he fits. Yep. Uh, and, and Ralph Fiennes absolutely brings a great voice. I honestly think Ralph Fiennes would be a fantastic live action Alfred. Mm-hmm. If they ever wanted to go that route, but one, I'm glad I'm so glad you brought him up. A wonderful actor, love him. But it's interesting that they had Voldemort in this movie, <laughs> and you have Ralph Fiennes right there, and you don't use Ralph Fiennes. That is so, that's so interesting to me. I I don't get it honestly. So now that you brought up Voldemort, I that is one of the main problems I had with the film when I first saw it. Is I had never seen. Uh, Harry Potter. I had never seen Lord of the Rings. So seeing all these characters at the end of the film that I knew nothing about in a Batman movie, that did kind of bother me a little bit. Now over, you know, since the last few years, I have seen all those movies and I can at least appreciate it now. And I don't think you need to see those movies to enjoy the end of this, but I think it does help to at least know who they are. Cause I, I didn't know what was going on. I was very clueless with that stuff. Well, I think, and, and then we're kind of going in a tangent away from the voices, but uh, that's fine. Um, with that, uh, you had mentioned that when we were first talking about doing the movie and you were rewatching it, things like that, and talking about Voldemort and, and Sauron and all these different characters showing up in this. And I think what's key to remember here is, yes, this is a Batman movie, but this is also a Lego movie. Mm-hmm. And Lego is all about, especially now, all of these IPs and all of mm-hmm. these different, you know, genres that they that they license so i think that's kind of that's the lego part of the lego batman movie so that's why i'm i'm very forgiving of that i think it's fun to see batman take on all of these rogues from different ip so yeah it's just i kind of forgave it and there was a few like when i first saw it in theaters i didn't know who the heck they were like the like the um the creature from uh clash of the titans the kraken Kind of yeah, that's you the one I, were t- I asked you about that because I'm like, I still don't know who this guy is. And he was a pretty big part of this movie. And right. uh, so you had to explain that to me. But again, it doesn't take away from it. it. It's just like a little a little bit of a nitpick as far as there. you have to up the ante when you do a movie like this. And they did. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if it is just a regular Batman movie, what's the sell? Like, what what are you getting from this? Right. And I think they give you the big Batman action, you know, craziness in the beginning of the movie, which is fine. And then they have to up it even further for the end, which they do as far as scale. But for enjoyment, I think that's where that's just my hang up is the beginning is more of what I wanted and I got. So it's it's like a that's why I say it's a damned if you do damned if you don't. You gave me what I wanted just too soon. 
Right. And what's interesting, I will say, about all these characters that they bring in while we're on that subject, um, you can tell which ones are Warner Brothers properties and which ones are not. Because the ones that are Warner Brothers properties, they actually name. And the other ones, they just kind of... Well, the ones that are Warner Brothers properties or they're... Um, what is it? Uh, do, a free domain or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that's right. Free domain. Because the, the Wicked public Witch domain. of the West... Public domain. There you go. Yeah. The Wicked Witch of the West is obviously public domain at this point. So she's, you know, she's mentioned, but then, you know, the WB franchises like Voldemort with Harry Potter and, and Sauron, Lord of the Rings, and, and even like King Kong and a few others are WB, but you, they don't mention by name, but you see them like the Raptors and the uh, T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Which is so Jaws. random, but like, I, it's fun to see them, but it's funny to me that they're like villains that are, are actually portrayed as like, uh. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, actually thought-processing villains, you know? Like, they're almost yeah. treated like, uh, what's the word, Anth- anthropomorphic, like, Disney characters, but they're not speaking, but, like, they're right. thinking freely and they're regular villains. It's, it's. It, I thought that was cool to see, like, Jaws. Like, it's so random, but it's fun to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious, honestly, because it reminded me of the shark in the toy box from, um, Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, yep. And it's, it's <laughs> so, again, that's the Lego part of it where if you're a kid playing with your Legos and you just happen to have a Jaws Lego set sitting there, how can I incorporate that with Batman? And to incorporate that, I know we're totally tangent here, but that is one of my favorite things and that goes back to Batman 66. The shark repelling gag that pays off at the end is is perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. But so far as to kind of swerve back into voices, just to wrap that that wrap that up a little bit. Um, I also love that there's all kinds of um, whether it was intended to be at the time or not, legacy castings here, and just some kind <laughs> of celebrity castings. Because you know you have Zoe Kravitz, who at the time wasn't Catwoman, so this was her first appearance of Catwoman. But now it's kind of a legacy casting, and it's then, like a retroactive. Course, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the the iconic Billy D. Williams as Two Face, which is such a fun, you know, revisit to his character that he never got to play again. Mm-hmm. So, and, and well, actually, character that he never got to play at all because he only got to play the Harvey Dent version. Yeah. So, but it's it's cool that that he got that little nugget, and uh, yeah, and then you know, just so many celebrities like. Um, Conan O'Brien, I think, was the Riddler, and you have um, you have, of course, returning from the Lego Movie. You have like Channing Tatum as Superman and Jonah Hill as Green Lantern and things like that. Which, no offense to anybody, I hope nobody gets irritated. At this this is the only way I want to see Jonah Hill portray a DC character. This <laughs> is. <laughs> So but he he but, is really fun as Green Lantern, and he was great. And I want to say that whole trend with the Superman thing started in Lego Movie, correct? Yes, with him like trying to get Superman's approval. Yes, because they were roommates in a Lego Movie. Okay, and then I I gotta um, mention Rosario Dawson as Batgirl because she plays Wonder Woman in the animated shows, and mm-hmm. I love her as Wonder Woman also. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another legacy casting. Mm-hmm. And then the one, the, the one last one I want to bring up with voices is uh, the pseudo uh, 
Bane <laughs> voice. That's a, that's a pseudo Tom Hardy. It's, it's Doug, Doug Benson. Benson. Yeah. yeah. But I love that they took this satirical take on Bane's voice from The Dark Knight Rises because it is hilarious. And they got to get credit for it. Yeah, I, I love the moment where Batman just randomly knocks him out and he's like, that feels unnecessary. That, that was just hilarious to me. So, yeah, that's really good stuff. Uh, but is, is there anything else in voices before we move on? Well, with Bane, it's funny because with the Harley Quinn show, I gave them a lot of credit for satiring the Dark Knight Rises voice in that. And I totally forgot that it was done here first. I had true. totally forgotten yep. about that. So we got to give them credit for, for starting that, which let's be honest. I mean, I love the Dark Knight Rises, but that voice is very easily, um, unfortunately made fun of. <laughs> and it's, again, you can still love the Dark Knight Rises and still appreciate the humor with the voice in other mediums. And I, I think it's done really well here with, with Dunn Benson. Well, I mean, to be fair, Batman's voice is, has been satired and mocked from that, very from that series of movies too. So yeah, very true. Okay, let's move on to another kind of uh, subgenre here. Let's talk about the music of this movie. What did you think of the music overall, Joe? Again, I'm going to use the term fun. Uh, the yeah. opening, the openings. I remember actually downloading the the soundtrack when I got out of the theater and listening to it on the way home. And this is prior to me having kids. I just wanted to listen to it on the way home. And it, it's yeah, the playing into like like working in the '66 theme um to a new like rock song and having batman play the guitar again just more fun stuff yeah at that song at the beginning the who's the batman is such an earworm and it's an <laughs> awesome song and it's got hilarious lyrics uh it's, i mean just stuff like who never skips leg day batman and just stuff it's so like that quick it's so yeah. quick it's hard to pick up on everything yeah, and it's like the, the funniest part of that to me was who who always pays their taxes, not Batman. <laughs> yes, I do remember that part. <laughs> that was that was hilarious to me. Quick little uh, yeah. dig at the billionaires. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it just all the all the songs in this movie are just kind of frenetic and fun, and it's just like most of them have have a really high pace, and then you get things like uh, one is the loneliest number mm-hmm. in just the the most perfect spot. Um, I think the one very strange thing from this movie musically is that they chose to use a cover of um, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. And they, I'm sorry, guys. It's it's so odd to me that you have that song. And, you know, I didn't really think about it that, that much, but I told you, I went back and listened to some old reviews on other podcasts Mm -hmm. of this movie when it came out. And, and this is a recurring theme. A, bu- a lot of people talked about um, the cover. Why did they use a cover instead of going for the, you know, the classic Michael Jackson version? And I would assume you have to pay royalties to the Michael Jackson estate, whether you use a cover or not. Right. That's what I would think. Unless it's cheaper to get the cover because whoever recorded the cover already paid for those royalties. I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know. Was it recorded for this film, or was it a cover that was pre uh, done prior? That's that could be a major issue too. If it was already done prior to this, and it was just cheaper to get a cover version, I could see that being possible. It could be. I, I don't know. It's just and to to make that the the lyric in the beginning of the film as like before we even see any characters, they just flash that lyric on the screen too. 
which is a fun moment. But I remember seeing that like, wait, what? <laughs> like, where's that come from? Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so far as, I mean, yeah, I think this movie actually, so far as just not even the, the big needle drops, but the score for an animated film, especially an animated Lego film, the score to this movie is actually very good. Like there are some tense moments. There's a lot of moments that call back to scores from other Batman films. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you listen carefully, you can hear different beats from like the Dark Knight trilogy. You can obviously hear some Batman 66 in there. Um, you can hear just a tiny bit of Elfman if you really, really pay attention. Um, but yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of nods, I think, in the musical score. And that fits right along with this movie because there's so many nods to Batman's history in this movie. Oh, the, I mean, the the opening, the first sequence right after the huge big opening when he gets back to Wayne Manor might be my favorite part of the film besides the opening. It's just when it slows down and he goes to get his lobster Thumidor, is it? Which I Thermidor. I had no idea that was an actual thing. Like, I didn't know what was going on with that. And then um, I love that that was like a joke that that was his favorite. And then he goes into the movie theater and he's cracking up at Jerry Maguire, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Batman's manic laugh oh, in this movie. In the most awkward parts of the film, which of course. And I love that they, and then Alfred, and when he's talking to Alfred, he talks about, you know, I've seen you like this before. And he, he runs down every Batman live action film and they show all Lego version clips, except for Batman 66. Well, also Batman and Robin, they show the bat nipples. That's for right. That's, that's right. That's all they show is the, the bat suit with the nipples in, in Batman and Robin, which, you know, you can't think about it too hard because it's cartoon logic. Um, and by the way, I'm just, we're, we're moving past the music now because we've kind of tangented. We're, we're going to talk about kind of um, references and Easter eggs. Uh, but yeah, so it's interesting that they, ch- that they show that, you know, because Alfred says, you know, I've seen you like this before in 2016 and, you know, uh, 2012 and 2000. You know, uh, he goes back through the years of all the Batman movies, which kind of, like I said, you can't think about it too hard because it is animation. But you actually see Robin in the Batman forever still. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. And Didn't, it's like, okay, so he hysterical. has had a Dick Grayson Robin according to your history there, but no, you well, know. let's be honest. He, he mentions 1966. Batman is not old enough to have been in the movie in 1966. No, you're absolutely right. But it's, just, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. But and it's I, funny. That's, but that's the charm of the movie that, that it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, so what were some other Easter eggs that you may have spotted or, or want to call out? Oh, God, I, I already called out the, the, the shark repellent because I think that I mean, that's an obvious one, but it's mm-hmm. it's such a great one. I think Bane's voice the whole time is definitely an Easter egg. Um, God, it's hard. To, I, I wasn't even thinking about like every single Easter egg because in the first 20 minutes, it, just all the bat suits you get, all the the Batmobiles. I wanted to go back and freeze when he first gets in the Batcave. All the Batmobiles in the background are pretty much there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there's there's a ton of Batmobiles, um, and I think sixty six is there. Um, obviously, the Burton Batmobile, even the um, the Schumacher, the the Batman Forever Batmobile. I noticed mm-hmm. that one. That's the one that I really noticed. That was the one that was right out in front, if I remember. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure there was probably the Tumblr in there too. Um, if you, if you just took a moment to go back, um, there was, there was a scene, uh, where it was showing kind of some more steals at one point and you see the Lego version of one of those iconic Dark Knight Returns covers where he's kind of, um, propped on a cable. Uh huh. Do you remember that? Do you, do you remember that? It's the Lego form no. of that cover. Okay, you'll I have don't. to go back and check it out. Because there, it's really there cool. is a scene where everything's on the the back computer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it's a really cool call out. There's also one. This one, I don't know if you've noticed or not, because I, to be quite honest, I didn't notice it. I heard it on the Holy Backcast review, and went back and looked, and sure enough, it's there. When you're there's a shot where you're kind of seeing a lot of Gotham kind of the skyline and there's Shrek's there is a Shrek's uh cat from Batman Returns. No, I did not notice that. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool cuz I missed it the first time I, I obviously the first many times I watched it up until now and I went back and listened to that podcast and somebody mentioned it. So I was like, "Really?" So I went and looked and sure enough it's there. <laughs> So I'm going back now and looking at the Batcave. So the Batpod is there too. Um, And the one thing I forgot to mention, which is so obvious, is the fireplace has to be a nod to Batman Returns. Oh, I didn't even think about that, honestly. The fireplace in Wayne Manor that like shifts to the side so Robin goes down the Bat-Pole, which again, there's an Easter egg right there, the Bat-Pole from 66. Mm. Um, The fireplace is enormous, just like, uh, Batman Returns. So to me, that has to be a nod to Batman Returns. Nice. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, you're right. But there, I mean, there is so many. I mean, if you you could sit here and watch this movie all the way through and just pause scenes and pick up so many little different Easter eggs. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let's talk just a little bit about the story. I mean, obviously, this we're not going to break it down scene by scene because this is a review. This is not really like a like a commentary or anything like that, but just so far as the story, what do you think overall of, of where they went with the theme of this movie? Well, I mentioned a little earlier, I, I do think it was a, a good idea to make the story focus on the introduction of Robin. And they made this a family story. It was about, you know, it had a heart to it in, in the core of this film is the heart of Batman needing a family and being scared to have a family. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, just like the Lego movie did years prior, it does do a good job of taking this silly, you know, borderline parody of a movie and giving it real heart. And I, I don't think it's easy to do that, especially for me. I have hard times sometimes with humor and heart being mixed because I think sometimes the humor can obviously undercut that emotion. And this is not like a, you know, make me ball type of movie, but there is at least a, an arc for Batman in this. And there is at least some really good emotional beats. And I think that's important for a film like this to distinguish itself from, you know, maybe like I was talking about prior with the the straight to DVD movies, or even like, even though a lot of the brave and the bold episodes had some heart to it, this it has to go a little further with the runtime being what it is and being, you know, a major, you know, motion picture being in the theaters. So I, I think it does a good job of balancing the two 
and giving it something to really, you know, to dig into as far as the heart of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And, and you were mentioning it's kind of a introduction to Robin. I mean, I, I, I consider it an introduction to the Bat family as a whole because you also, I mean, you get introduced to Barbara Gordon in this movie. Yeah. And you kind of get A different get take that. on Barbara, too. Like, they did something Very different, different there with her, which, again, it's still it's still accurate to the character. Um, I went back and I'm watching, I'm laughing at the, uh, how they come up with the Robin suit is just so stupid, but I love it with the reggae man. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And then he does the running man and he loses the pants and the, I, the cape being glittery. I'm sorry. I just totally like went off a tangent here, but the cape being glittery is so awesome. I (laughs) love that scene so much. I laughed out loud, even this last time watching it. When uh, Robin's like, I love this suit, but the pants are a little tight. And he yeah. rips them off. And Batman is like, I can only look you in your eyes right now. That that made me laugh so hard. And <laughs> so, I'll be honest, I thought they were going to cover him back up because it does look so obscene. <laughs> but they Especially in way. Lego form. <laughs> yes, it, I, because it looks like a thong. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it looks so much more obscene as a Lego, but yeah. But what's so funny is like when he first takes the pants off, it looks so obscene. But then I forgot about it like five minutes later because <laughs> yeah. you just accept it for what it is at that point. Yeah, yeah. But I think what I overall what I what I most enjoy about this film and the story that it goes through is you know as braggadocious and as you know as, as self you know, serving and conceited as Batman seems to be. Uh, there's this, there's this arc all the way through the movie that it, it seems that he uses that to hide and shield his insecurities. Mm-hmm. And his biggest fear is having a family because he's already lost one and he's exactly. scared to, he's scared to do that again. And, you know, just him going on the arc of learning to let people in again. I think is a, is a really, really strong message for a movie that's so silly and whimsical and fun. Um, it's awesome that they can do all that. You can have all that big over the top, you know, animated zany fun, but you can also tell, uh, tell a story and, and have a really good lesson, especially I think a great lesson for your core audience, which is kids here. Like I don't particularly care for animation that seems to talk down to their audience. You know, I, I like movies where there's, there's an actual message and something that can be gained, you know, whether they get it straightforward or whether it's kind of subliminal. I, I like that there's a way here for kids to, to learn something. Definitely. So, and even, and even if the kids are too young to even get it, it's still entertaining while it's doing that. So the kids might uh-huh. even not realize they're getting it, but as they watch it, as they get older, they're going to start latching on to that kind of stuff too. Exactly, because you know just as well as I do, I mean, there's movies that we fall in love with um, in our youth that no matter how many people say they're great or terrible, they're sentimental for us, and we will watch them you know, over and over and over again, even as we get to adulthood. And I think there are things that you pick up um, even on the 30th viewing, you know, or if you get that far, of a movie that you may not have in the earlier viewings. You know, there's always little different subtleties in movies to pick up over, over time. And I think there's a lot in this one 
that, like you said, like a kid that might not necessarily get that message when they're little, but watching it again because, hey, I love that movie when I was a kid. Let's watch it again and get a totally new perspective out of it, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's that's a really cool thing. Um, but so let's uh, let's kind of move on. Let's, let's do a tiny bit of negative because uh, you, you had talked about kind of the middle part of the movie and the, uh, what happens after that big peak at the beginning. So let's talk about some nitpicks. What are some nitpicks of this movie, Jeff? Well, it's funny because I'm almost going to kind of contradict myself by saying this, but like, we, I'm definitely contradicting myself by saying I feel like the movie's long or too long for the subject matter, maybe, but they pack a lot of stuff into this movie. Like, it's a pretty complicated movie for a Lego movie, like with the whole <laughs> Phantom Zone thing. And like, I, they probably didn't need to make it that complicated, but they did it to introduce Superman and have a reason to go to the Fortress of Solitude. So, like, there was a lot of thought that went into it. So, I gotta give them credit for that because they found. I guess you could say logical ways to have all these characters show up and mm-hmm. have it this, you know, big scope of a movie. And I got to say, like, the more, and I have it on in the background right now, like, I find myself smiling through most of the movie. It's it's really a fun movie. The problem is, it, because it goes on a little long, it loses your interest as a whole, or my interest, I should say, as a whole, but if I just turned it on halfway through, I fall in love with the movie all over again. So it's it's a tough mm-hmm. thing. It's that's why I keep saying it's my hiccup or my hang up because it's just not the type of movie that's going to hold my attention for an hour and forty five minutes because there are other things I might prefer. But I can't argue with the fact that it is entertaining as hell. Every scene I come to, I'm smiling or I'm laughing or I'm looking at something to say, oh, that's so cool they put that in. Like, I just saw a Ferris Air Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The Wonder Twins are at the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> like, they they really did pack in a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead. The nitpicks, well, the nitpicks are just that. They're nitpicks. It's I can't. I can't even justify my nitpicks because I contradict myself with them as I'm like thinking of things that I like about the film. It's more of, again, these are my hangups with the subject or the type of film it is more than a fault of the film itself. Yeah. Um, so you just talked about the fortress of solitude and while I really enjoy this, the, the whole sequence where they get, because I mean, it's so awesome going to the Fortress of Solitude in this Lego world and seeing this version of the DC universe and this version of all the DC characters. That's really cool. I think when I was ultimately thinking about, okay, well, I think this movie is a little bit too long. Where would I cut? I think that is the sequence I would, I would retool and make a lot shorter. Because um, the whole purpose of this scene other than getting, you know, they, they need to get the Phantom Zone projector so they can send the Joker to the Phantom Zone. That's Batman and Robin's mission here. Um, but they kind of reinforce in this scene that Batman is a loner. And he pushes people away and he's not the most fun. Um, because, you know, nobody, there's a party going on at the Fortress of Solitude and all the Justice League is here. And they didn't invite Batman. Because he is that loner and blah, 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 blah. But it, that message has already been kind of pushed through. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, that to me, as much as I love seeing them, if I had to cut something, that's what I would cut because I just don't, you know, I don't think we needed to hear that or know that again, we already know what kind of, what kind of uh, person this Batman is, or at least what he portrays to other people. We already know that. Yeah. Especially and- with how he treats Robin and the thing with, with Barbara Gordon and just how self-conceited he is. We already know, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, it's where I can't disagree with you, but as I'm literally watching the scene, I'm watching it and that there's a lot of fun parts to it. So it's, it's tough because I have fun even in the scenes that I'm like, ah, it's going on a little too long, a little too long. Mm -hmm. It's, because there is so much fun that built off of like we were talking about earlier, the Lego movie with the whole Green Lantern Superman thing and, you know, introducing those characters. It's to get the Phantom Zone projector. And like, there is a reason for it. Could you have cut it? Yeah. But there's, there really is some fun stuff. The whole Batman ideas thing where it's like, I've had, you know, 40,000 good ideas, everybody else zero. Like, and then that's paid yeah. off later. Um, he basically, at one point he says like, Robin is a hundred percent expendable. That's why he's going to get the Phantom Projector. So like, he's basically sending Robin in there because he doesn't care if he dies, which is terrible, but it's funny because it's a Lego movie. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> I do love that part when he's talking about Robin's different attributes and he says, you're quiet. And he go- and Robin goes, when I choose to be. <laughs> so I just, I, I love, I love Robin in this. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my major, I think my nitpick. Um, otherwise, I mean, most of the stuff in this movie, I really, really love, um, just to kind of cap off here with the, cause we haven't really talked about the Joker Batman relationship. Um, so I kind of, I kind of start off with this. I, this is another one that kind of, um, reinforces the, the way Batman is, but I like that. I, I, absolutely like where I think the justice league part ran a little long. I love the back and forth between Batman and Joker. Um, cause I like that this is, even though it's a different type, it is a relationship and they use it in a comedic sense, but it shows yet again that Batman can't commit even to someone he hates, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. You know, it's, like the whole, the whole it's Joker. It's so stupid, but it's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. That you won't even say "I hate you" is is so funny. Um, but it, it it again speaks to that you know that separation that Batman has from everybody else, and I just I, I really love it, and I love how they kind of reconcile to hate each other at the end of the movie, and actually, um, Joker is so pleased that he helps Batman when Batman tells him that he hates him at the end. So Joker mm-hmm. ends up helping save Gotham. So that's, that's, that's hilarious to me. But what about you? What do you think of the Joker-Batman relationship? Well, to take something that we've always, you know, we've always said Joker is Batman's biggest fan and he wants to be his biggest villain to the point where he, he just wants Batman to, like you say, commit to the fact that I am your biggest villain. And he's insulted by Batman naming all these other villains that he hates more than him. And it's, it's actually very much in the core of the Batman Joker relationship in the comics done in such a different way in a fun way. I, I mean, that is the core of the film, so it wouldn't be, it's not groundbreaking for me to say it's my favorite part of the film. That is the film, but it Mm -hmm. it works really well. And um, I got to say, as I'm watching this in the background, um, 
I keep going on these tangents and it's like the worst thing I could have done is keep this on in the background because I honestly think doing a commentary, this would have been a lot of fun, a commentary for this. There's this scene. In, did you notice Arkham has a gift shop? Like stupid stuff like that in this yeah, film is hysterical. There's like so many little things like on the corner, there's a gift shop, a basket weaving um, place in Arkham. Like so stupid. Like you could yeah. pick out something in every scene in this film. Absolutely. There's so many Easter eggs. Yeah. But yeah, so like it's when you think about how they incorporate Batman's need for family with the Joker in a in a a fun but serious way, it is pretty brilliant. I, I, I wouldn't you know, people might argue ah it's so obvious, but I, I think it's a smart thing to do and I, I don't think it's as obvious as it could be because like you said, they could have made this a brainless movie that pandered or talked down to children, but they didn't. They actually gave it some thought and made it an emotional part of the film. Yeah, for sure. I am in full agreement, um, but really love the relationship. Really love this movie, honestly, but let's, let's kind of wrap it up there, Joe. Uh, let's finish with some Batarang ratings. If you had to get, and I know I'm putting you on the spot with this, but if you had to give the Lego Batman movie a Batarang rating, what would you give it? Well, I, again, it's one of those things where like, just because I'm not over the moon for the movie enough to like put it on all the time, I can't dislike the movie. I can't even fault it for anything I've said because I've almost talked myself out of uh, my nitpicks while I'm talking about it with you or, or thinking about it or just having it on in the background. I think the weakest point for me that I think about it is the end because it's, I, I love, you know, the first act the most. And then the second act is where they set up all the heart and, and all that stuff. But I still think even with all the the criticisms of maybe it's a little long and all that, I, I still would give it an 8 out of 10 because it's just so much fun. And I'm being completely repetitive. I've said fun probably 74 times throughout this <laughs> podcast, but I, I do think it's just a fun movie. Like, how could I fault this film for doing what it was meant to do? And yeah. I think it I think it does it really well. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, fun is the opportune word. Uh, I, I think this movie is is even though there there's parts of it that are a little long. Um, I I still think 90 minutes would be that sweet spot for this movie. But I have fun every time I watch it. I don't watch it often enough. I think because this is the first time I've watched it in a couple of years, to be honest. But I mm. every time I do watch it, I have a blast with it. So yeah, I'm right there where you are. I would give this eight out of ten batterings. Uh, I think this is the first uh, review we've done where where we came on in on the exact same score, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's it's it's a ton of fun. If you haven't watched it recently, go back and and take a look at the Lego Batman movie. Um, it, there's so much for Batman fans to to notice. So many little little nods and just homages to Batman's past. So I highly encourage. Uh, taking a look back at the Lego Batman movie from 2017. Uh, That's where we're going to wrap up with the Lego Batman movie, but we are not ready to leave you guys yet because we have to review this week's episode of Batman the Animated Series for our 30th anniversary celebration. 
right, Joe. So this week, in our 30th anniversary Batman the Animated Series celebration, we have a classic, an iconic episode. This is one I think uh, everybody's kind of had uh, on their anticipation list, obviously, because this was the number one pick in our top five episodes by the listeners. Uh, so let's go through that real quick. Uh, everyone who chose Heart of Ice would be Jim Bob Squarepants, Peter Vera, Rebethka, Tom Pensenault, Nick Zednick, Jay Yaws, Lee Ankrit, Michael Gallagher, Tom McClellan, Adrian Fernando, Don Cheeseman, or excuse me, Dan Cheeseman Art, Javier Var- Vargas, and Sefi Roth. And I can't remember, Joe, I don't have it in front of me. Did you choose Heart of Ice? Oh, God, you're putting me on the spot. I had to have. Yeah, I'm almost positive I did. I think so. I think I did, too. But I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look. Or you, anyway, left it, or you might have left it off because you knew I was going to do it. Maybe so. I can't. Uh, yeah, I'd have to go back and, and look look at the list. I'm pretty or, positive I had it on there. Because, honestly, I, I watched this before we did that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really fresh in my mind because I rewatched it again today. So, yeah, I've... I've watched this a lot the last couple of weeks. Right. So in kind of a quick synopsis of the episode, um, a, cryo, a cryogenic explosion ha- uh, turns Dr. Victor Freeze into Mr. Freeze, a creature who can only live in sub-zero temperatures and leaves him with an icy desire for revenge against the man that he blames for the explosion. Um, so we come to find out that, you know, Mr. Freeze had worked for, for this man and he had been doing cryogenic um, experiments. And one of them was to save his wife from this condition that she had. And uh, the gentleman cut funding and kicked him out of the, you know, <clears throat> tried to kick him out of the company. Uh, there was an accident, kind of a, a scuffle between them. And the pod that contained his wife ended up bursting open. And Victor Freeze was also at the same time exposed to some chemicals that altered his biology. And now he has to live in this sub-zero environment to, uh, to sustain himself. And he has come back for revenge. So, Joe, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Heart of Ice. This, this just, I mean, iconic and tragic episode of Batman the Animated Series. Huh. The first thing I thought of after watching this episode was, so Batman and Robin took a lot from this, but took everything that was great about it and somehow made Batman and Robin. Oh, for sure. Like, how do you, they basically used this as a blueprint for the the, the Mr. Free story, yet somehow made it so bad. (laughs) Because there really is a lot taken from this for that. Um, But yeah. There really is. Uh, this episode to me, I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm just saying it right now, it had to have been in my top five because there's no way I wouldn't have put it in my top five. Mm-hmm. I I love the the emotion in this episode, the animation. The, we were talking earlier about the animation and uh, you had said all oh, the animation is so nice in this. Um, I have told you numerous times, like I, I'm not an animation I, I guess I'd say I'm not an animation nerd. Like I don't notice uh, animation as far as quality, unless it's like really bad. I, I really don't notice much. Um, mm-hmm. But you are dead on with this one. This is a really beautifully animated episode, and there's a lot of like 
you get your Alfred humor in this, you get your heart from Mr. Freeze, you get some great Batman stuff, and you get some fun kid stuff in it as well. Like, it's it's a kid-friendly episode, but, man, is it an adult-themed episode as well. There's so much to like about it. Um, And to think that this was the first... I still can't get over that this is what introduced this backstory for Mr. Freeze. To to take a character that's been around for so many years and give him this tragic backstory for a kids animated series in the nineties and for it to be taken to this level and now is the accepted origin of Mr. Freeze and the accepted characterization of Mr. Freeze in basically every medium going forward. It's amazing. And we've raved about this show for years on, I mean, every Batman fan has always, you know, held this show so high. But when you think about the feats of this episode that go beyond just the episode, it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do with this episode. It, it won a, was it an Eisner award? Is that what the award is for the TV shows? Eisner's comics. Uh, it won an Emmy. Oh, okay. Emmy. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah. I had the comics uh, in my brain there, but yeah, so it won an Emmy. Uh, rightfully so. It's yeah. I'll, I'll let you talk before I I take over everything here. But yeah, there's so much fun to to there's so much to love about this episode while also still having a lot of you know fun moments for a kid show. But man, the the adult stuff in this is pretty crazy. Well, yeah, and, and I think what I love the most about this episode is and and Batman the animated series did this for actually several villains. It it took what was a pretty one dimensional villain before. And move them past the, you know, ooh, I want to become an ice, you know, based criminal. <laughs> yeah. Just because. And it gave the it gave the character so much depth and so much reason for what he's doing. Um and God, it's sad. It's so tragic what has happened to this man. And, you know, everything he's doing, he's doing for these altruistic purposes and he's doing it for love. And it's just it's it's so deep again for for a kids TV series. It's just, it's it's phenomenal. It's a fantastic episode of, of an animated series, uh, but it's just fantastic storytelling overall. I uh, really love this one. And yeah, what you were mentioning about the animation, it stood out to me immediately when I watched this for this review. As soon as I started the episode, I was like, "This is this is them at their A game." I mean, it's so sharp and it's so well animated. It's just there's a marked difference. And I even brought it up to you and you were like, I don't I don't notice anything. And I was like, no, 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 no. Go back and watch. uh, What was the first one we watched? Uh, The Last Last Laugh. Laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I said, go back and watch The Last Laugh and (laughs) immediately watch this one and you will see the difference. And it's 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 clear. There's a there's a clear difference between the two episodes. And, you know, I was thinking, I haven't told you this, but I was thinking about it later. And I remember, and I don't know where I heard it from, but I remember hearing there was an A team and a B team for animation on this, on this show. I want, I want to say Andy has mentioned it on Holy Badcast that they had different animation studios. And sometimes I want to say they even mentioned when they were doing their recap of, was it Clayface? Their part one is one animation studio and part two is the other. So like sometimes on the two parters, they even had different animation. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, but maybe that's where I am. I am remembering it from, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can tell that that's the case when you see an episode like this and it's just so remarkably animated. Like it's almost like the difference in watching the series and watching mask of the phantasm, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause there's a difference there in the animation because of the higher budget and things like that. But this is just such a beautiful episode to look at. So that also ties in with not only is the story just phenomenal, but then you, you pair it with this amazing animation. And it's no wonder that this episode won an Emmy and is considered by many, maybe the best episode of this series. Uh, but yeah, I'm, and honestly, I don't know that any of the other Mr. Freeze stories in the show, while they're, they're, they're good. Cause I think he has the best return episodes of any of the villains. Um, and even so far as the movie they did, Batman, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero uh, is a really good movie. But mm-hmm. I don't know that they ever reached the height that they did with this episode. It's so good. Yeah, and I don't know if we've mentioned on this uh, on the show before, but I got to give credit to the, the HD restoration of these episodes, too. Because, man, I, it's been so long since I've watched the old DVDs. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what these looked like prior to the the high def resolution. the The way the colors pop on these are so good. Once in a while, you see that like they maybe had like a problem restoring one segment, and it'll be like a yeah. little blurry. I noticed that in one little spot in this one. Um, but man, the, the show just looks so good. Like we've always talked about how this show doesn't seem like your typical nineties animation, but then when you add the HDs to it, it, it looks like it could have been made, you know, today. It's so great yeah, it's, how it looks. And it's gorgeous. So I, I got to ask you a question though. I don't know if this is the case or not, but I was talking about, I, I might have even caught myself in saying something incorrect. When did, or is it still, is this backstory of Mr. Freeze canon in the comics? And if it, because like, obviously with the new 52, it wasn't, that was changed a little bit, but I Mm -hmm. don't even know if it was ever canon prior to the new 52, because if I remember correctly, he doesn't have that backstory during the under the hood story. But when I read those stories, in my mind, I have this backstory there, but I don't yeah. think that's actually accurate. I don't think this is in the comics or was at the time. I Maybe someone can help us out with that because I honestly don't know the answer, but I think because this show has always been in our brains, we've kind of just like, and I've said this for a long time, like canon is kind of what you make it because canon is always mm-hmm. so screwed up in comics. To me, this is Mr. Freeze's backstory in the comics, but I don't know if that is actually genuinely correct. Yeah, this is where my head canon goes automatically. Yeah. With with his origin. But you know who would be great to ask that question is Jay Yaws. Yeah, that was the first so, person I was thinking. So <laughs> So Jay, if you're listening, um, yeah, we want to know. But has this tran- did this transfer over into the comics? If so, when? So let us know, Jay. Reach out. Um, but and anybody else who may know, let us know. But I, I can't remember honestly. I'm sure it has at some point. Um, but I mean, thinking about like the different versions of Mister Freeze, even even the Murphy verse changed up his origin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important thing is he became a much more interesting character after the animated series. Oh yeah, 
Because, I mean, even in the Murphy verse, like I said, that uh, they change, Sean Murphy changes it, but it's still a fascinating and tragic origin. So they, they, the animated series definitely moved that character out of the one dimensional box that he was in before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say, I want to say it was used in Snow, which is the Legends of the Dark Knight story that I've read recently. Um, I don't remember too much of it, but that is a, a nice story. It's later in that run. But other than that, there's not too many Mr. Free stories that I can think of in the comics. It's almost like he wasn't used much because I don't know if anyone just thought they couldn't top this kind of story. Because how many times can you tell a Mr. Free story if his motivation is his wife? Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a tough character to continue with. But Yeah, for sure. And again, this this show did it so perfectly. I can't blame anyone for saying, you know what? Maybe we don't want to even tackle that. Yeah. Um, so a few things that I, I would like to bring up uh, from the episode. Um, Mr. Freeze uses puns in this in this episode, <laughs> but they're so much better than anything they even considered for Batman and Robin. Um, they, I don't know if it's the delivery or the tone, but it just works here. Um, and I also love the fact that Batman defeats Mr. Freeze with chicken soup. Yeah, you had to bring up the chicken soup. Absolutely. I mean, because Batman's fighting a cold the whole movie. Har, har, har. You know, yeah. <laughs> because it's, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of Mr. Freeze tropes in this. There's a heat wave, which always seems to happen in a Mr. Freeze story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's the, the puns. There's Batman gets a cold, because of course he does. And then Alfred tries to make him feel better, cause, but of course Batman doesn't have time. So he sends him away with a thermos of chicken soup, and that ends up being what Batman uses to defeat Mr. Freeze, which I think is, you know, it could come off as hammy, but it works. I mean, it works really well. So, yeah, I, I, I like that. But what about you, Joe? What do you think of the chicken soup? Oh, it's another it's another great um, Alfred line, too, where Bat- he, gives him, he gives him the soup, and Batman says, what is this, knockout gas, I think? And he yeah. goes, uh, chicken soup, the only cure for a cold. Yeah, the, o- the only way to fight a cold, I think is The only way said. to fight a cold, I apologize. Yeah, yeah that's right. So it's, Which is uh, funny, because that's what he uses to fight cold later. Yeah, and uh, another bath line, he says, I think you could use a warm bath. You know, it made me think of the the April Fool's episode with the draw you a bath. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, there's there are no um, nits to pick in this episode for me. That's for sure. No, 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 me either. Um, and I think it's just uh, there's so there's a quote that I saw that this this kind of mirrors Batman Returns a little bit. And I've actually got the quote here, and it's it's from a it's from a um, article that reviewed the, sh- the the episode, and it says that um, just like as hinted in with the penguin in Burton's Bat- Batman Returns, every monster, no matter how malformed, is an inherently tragic one. And I think that's really cool, and it really fits this episode, um, because it, I mean, Freeze has been turned into a monster, but that doesn't mean that he's you know. There's not tragic and unfortunate circumstances that made him that way. So, yeah, but yeah, I, just a really, really great episode and one that I was so glad that we got to watch. And I, and I hope you guys enjoyed rewatching it 
with us. Uh, but we have actually picked, uh, I didn't tell you this, Joe, but we have done the random drawing for the next episode of Batman the Animated Series. So for preparation for our next show, watch Sins of the Father. And Joe, this is one I don't remember much about, so this is going to be almost a fresh take for me. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that one by name. <laughs> I, I think this makes is the me same think conversa- of uh, Telltale series a little bit. Well, um, I remember when I think Sins of the Father, I automatically think the Spider-Man animated series because there was a there was an arc called Sins of the Father, I believe, that went on for several episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Sins of the Father for our next episode. So make sure you guys go back and watch that one in preparation. So um, there, there. I gotta say it real quick. There is a there is a '90s animation mistake in this episode where the yellow oval becomes black and the uh, logo becomes yellow. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty noticeable too. I I want to say people have pointed that out before. I don't think I'm the first person to ever notice that. I feel like I have seen it. But uh, yeah, like it reminds me of like the Ninja Turtles where like they'd have the wrong bandanas on or something, or oh, or like geez. out of nowhere the bandana would turn green and their head would turn red. <laughs> wow! But yeah, I did not catch that. I'll have to go back and see if I can find it. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, that's kind of where we're gonna uh, wrap it up for this week. Um, this is a fun episode, though. Two two really really quality pieces of Batman content. Uh, thank you for for coming along on the ride. Oh, it was a blast. It was, I, I appreciate the fact that we were able to talk about Lego Batman, because like I said, as we were talking about it, the more we talked about it, the more I really thought about how much fun I had watching it. It kind of turned me around on some of my nitpicks, which is always nice. I, I am always open to, you know, convincing myself to like things as everyone by now knows. I don't like to not like things. And I am 100%. Especially when it comes to Batman. Oh yeah. It's, I, I'm all against someone trying to convince someone to not like things. And man, if you can convince me to change my mind, if I'm a little hesitant on something, by all means, I, I'm open to enjoying everything. And really the more we talked about this, I, I just had, I had a blast. And, um, if our listeners are playing a drinking game with the word fun, uh, everyone is passed out by now and, and are stopped listening because man, it was really just a fun one. <laughs> and there you go again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I always forget Vero and Letterboxd. You you, uh, you always remember to bring up Letterboxd. It's uh, J4 and 11. And uh, even, it's just to give you, you know, a look into why I think of things the way I do. I have watched like over a hundred something movies on Letterboxd. I have not rated one of them. it becomes so arbitrary at that point to rate them because Mm -hmm. I would probably give almost everything I watch four stars because it's like, it's not perfect, but it's good. (laughs) But uh, I've had a lot of fun with that app lately, uh, rewatching some stuff to get prepared for some cool franchise movies and stuff coming out recent, uh, you know, soon or, or may have just came out. So follow me on there and, uh, and you could friend me on Facebook as Joe Fornerado. Very nice. Well, if you'd like to find me, my personal accounts can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. The show can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. 
If you take a moment out of your day to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcast, it greatly helps the show and helps other people find us. And if you leave us a review, we will read it live on the show. As well as if you leave us an email, as I mentioned earlier, that is tfrbatpod at gmail.com. We also read emails on the show. Um, if you'd like to find another way to support us, uh, we don't ask that you buy anything at all. But if you do, if you'd like to rock our, our logo on some merchandise, you can go to redbubble.com and search shop TFR, all one word, and find all of our logos on some cool merchandise. Again, we don't ask you to, but if you choose to, we greatly, greatly thank you. Um, and even if you don't like us, it's an awesome logo by Justin Kowalski, too. So even if you don't like absolutely. us, it's a cool logo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Justin Kowalski for creating our very cool logos. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of The Fire Rises. So thank you for joining us for all this Batman content. We hope you had as much fun as we did. And until we see you next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit. And let's go. there were another way for me to say it. I cannot. I can only beg your forgiveness and pray you'll hear me somehow. Some place. Some place where a warm hand waits for mine. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. do that oh i can i've been reading setting limits for your out of control child you know what doesn't matter because i have a double secret super password that unlocks the parental lock you mean alfred the butler with two t's <laughs>